Do you have a routine or a process for regularly recycling material, content, vocabulary, or language structures in your classroom? How do you make sure that students keep it all fresh and readily accessible as they move on to new topics and themes? In this episode, we're taking on Spiral Review. Ashley Duff, a French teacher in Missouri, joins me to talk us through the benefits of this type of review and provides lots of tips and insights for how we can incorporate it into our classes. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral. I'm going to remind you, like I do every time you click on an episode of the podcast, that you are an incredible educator. Because why? So many reasons. But the one I know of is you're listening to a podcast about language teaching. And who does that? Well, you do that. That's why I'm telling you, you are awesome. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about this concept of spiral review, which you may have heard of in general education context, but we're going to talk about specifically what that is in the language classroom to do spiral review. To help us with this today is Ashley Duff, and she is a French teacher in Kansas City, Missouri, and she has been teaching for about 19 years, and she's had an interesting trajectory in her teaching. She has done the more traditional high school 9 through 12 French teaching, but she has also had the opportunity to teach in a language charter school where it was French immersion. So that has contributed to a lot of her understanding about teaching and what she has done. And she also has a blog, which is Madame R's French Resources. I'm sure you have seen her on Facebook and Instagram and does wonderful things for you in your classroom. So we're going to talk about Spiral Review today, Ashley, but welcome on into the World Language Classroom podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I know this has been one of those things we've known each other for, I don't know, five, six years now. We've seen each other at different conferences and in and around on the internet. And I'm always saying, you need to come on the podcast. And I'm happy we finally made it happen. So, so appreciative of you being here. Do you want to add anything in about your teaching? The only other thing that I did do after leaving um, immersion is I then started a four to six enrichment program at another charter school um, where it was mostly beginner cultural stuff. So that was really fun to go from high school to middle school to fourth grade. Really different, but I kind of have a lot of age ranges now. Thanks for adding that in. It's nice to see the scope kind of touches on all the bases there. So we're going to talk about spiral review today. Let's start by just knowing what that is. What is spiral review? It's basically where you're um, reviewing and revisiting things that students have seen before and you're coming back to it on a really regular basis. So you're adding in the new content that you're working on, but you're always coming back to stuff they've learned. And, you know, it's 
is really good to help because then students don't compartmentalize everything that they've learned. It's mm-hmm. like we learned it, we forget it, we move on. Mm-hmm. Keeps keeps from doing that. And compartmentalizing, is that more of looking at what we think of as a traditional review? So how would spiral review not compartmentalize? With a lot of review activities, let's say you're doing an ad, um, a unit on sports and you're learning all about verbs and then they learn the verbs and they learn how to conjugate and they learn some you know, basic adverbs and then you move on to the next unit and it's about adjectives. And so then they just talk about adjectives and then they forgot all the verbs. It keeps you from keeping everything in one little compartment and it helps kids see the bigger, broader picture of language so that they can take all the skills and keep adding to it. I'm thinking of you start a new unit and so you're incorporating the material that students have done previously into that new unit. So I'm thinking of that as incorporating in, but what actually is the review process? Is there some kind of review prior to just adding it in? Just help me to understand that part. Yeah, so I you can do it formally and informally, but you know, for me like one of the things that I might do, let's say that we are doing a unit on adjectives. And I might have a bell ringer up and it's got five different pictures and they, their bell ringer is to write the adjective. So that brings in the vocabulary that's part of our current unit. But then you can extend on it really, really easily by, let's say the adjective is sportif. And then you can come back and give them a little turn and talk activity and say, okay, we all said that he's sportif. Why is he sportif? And then they'll go back and they'll say, you know, in French or Spanish, he's athletic. He's playing soccer. He plays soccer really well. He likes to play soccer after school with his friends. He plays soccer at the stadium. So you're bringing back in everything and you're just asking them to elaborate on stuff and use everything they know. And so it is going to be different based on what unit came before and what they know, mm-hmm. but you can give them little prompts for what else to add in. So you're sort of figuring out and targeting a bit what that review is going to be that they're going to use within the new unit? I do, yeah. And I have little prompts up around the room, like how do we make our sentences longer? And I'll have you know the question words. If you want to make your sentence longer, add in where the person's at or when they do this. Or how often do they do this? And these are really simple things to always come back to what they know and always Mm -hmm. add in new vocabulary and old vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Just keeps it fresh in their heads. And I think traditional ways that textbooks have been done, and this is very different with what's out there now in the publishing world, but more traditionally, it has been there's a chapter, you go on to a new theme, and never sportif is to be seen again, right? Right. Right. And... (laughs) I think even as, you know, a resource creator, some of the units that we make are going to be that way a little bit because you can't just bring in things that maybe a student using that unit hasn't seen. It helps if as a teacher, you just have kind of in the back of your mind, like, well, we've seen this before. Here's how we add in a little bit more information. And it can be informal. It can be formal. I don't do the formal ones as often. What do you refer to as formal as opposed to informal? You know, I I don't know if I've seen them as much in language, but I've seen a lot of like these math spiral review worksheets where it's like a a sheet and the kids every single day do a spiral review where they basically go back and look at something that they've already learned. Unless you have a year long program that's scripted, they're not always going to be able to just jump back and do something because let's say that you want them to review clothing, but they do clothing 
at the end of the year. You can't ask them to review something they haven't seen. So that, in my opinion, is more formal. For me, I really like to differentiate. So I change it with my students every single year Mm -hmm. based on what I see that they need to practice. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they don't need to review it as much as another Mm -hmm. year might. With this bio review, is this something that you are focusing on before you start a new unit? Or are you organically incorporating it throughout? Yeah, you're just going to incorporate it throughout a little bit every day. I do a bell ringer every day just because it's just such an effective way to remember to take attendance, which is a thing that I don't do well. So it just helps me come in, do your bell work. And then as we kind of go through and check the bell works together, I add in usually an oral type of spiral review. I just want to make sure that they get the most speaking time possible. So I do it much more informally than an actual sheet that I'm going to pick up and grade. We do it a lot as a turn and talk oral activity. I think the idea of using the bell ringers or quick questions, do nows, all those things that happen at the beginning, either those are exit tickets, you know, are Mm -hmm. different ways of incorporating the spiral review. I use a website often called Windowswap. And I recommend it to everyone. It's a website where people around the world take a picture out of the window where they live. And so it's from countries all over the world. Sometimes it's in a very urban area. You don't see the person. You just see this is what they see when they look out the window where they live. And so I'll start with those. And students will say what they see when they look out the window. But then we start going incorporating and spiral reviewing. I'm going to call it now. It's not what I've been calling it. But I'm like, I guess that's what I'm doing, where I'll say, oh, okay, based on this, the person who's taking the picture, let's create their story. What's their job? Oh, a bunch of job words start coming in, right? Um, What do they like to do? They might be looking at their yard where they see, oh, there's somebody who likes to do yard work. There's somebody who likes plants. Oh, they live in an urban area. Oh, they go to the gym. You know, so it's the like filling all of those in. It's one of those things that I use this website to do. And I'm thinking, I guess that's what Ashley's talking about. Yeah, I love that. Because, you know, especially when you have them for two and three and four, sometimes I, I had my one particular group five years in a row. Mm-hmm. You really don't want them to forget things, but you can't go back and formally do it over and over. Mm-hmm. They're going to be bored. They already know it. You just need to keep it fresh in their head. You've been doing this a while. You you have it pretty standardized, standardized in terms of the fact that you regularly do it. You know, it's not this formal way. But let's look at some practical tips that you can provide to teachers that are trying to organically put this in? Because it might seem overwhelming. Like, where do you start and where do you stop? Yeah, it doesn't have to be hard. I mean, there's just different activities that you can do that are engaging and fun. If you just want to get started, I would say for me, the easiest was the bell ringer activity. But then I started bringing in different games that Mm -hmm. also allowed me to do it again, orally. I love the ball toss game you know, where you get like a big beach ball and put kids in a big circle and then you give them a ball, they throw it and whoever has the ball would do a task. I do it a lot to practice verb. I might give them a subject and verb and have them conjugate the verb. Mm -hmm. But then to add in spiral review, you then, after you've gone a couple rounds practicing the verb conjugations, you have them add in other information. He is going to play football. He's going to play football, so he's wearing shorts and sneakers. He's going to play football at the stadium. He's going to play football this weekend. 
Mm-hmm. And so you can give them specific details that they have to add to their sentences so that you are constantly coming back to stuff in a fun way. Well, it seems like we can be incorporating these types of activities as brain breaks in the classroom, which are actually being used to review. For sure. I'm not a person that sits still well. I spent a lot of second grade standing on the circle at recess because I I was that kid who just couldn't stay in my seat. I, as a teacher, try to do everything I can to get kids out of their seats Mm -hmm. and move and talk. So these, yes, they are perfect brain breaks. So you mentioned using bell ringers and ball toss. Are there any other of those, maybe they are brain breaks or other types of activities that you use to recycle back the, the vocabulary that students or structures or language that they've already learned? Yeah. As an immersion teacher, we see a lot of interesting mistakes that they make. Very frequently, students who already know all of the structures will still use idiomatic expressions wrong. More I noticed with immersion kids than my own FSL kids. So they'll say things like, je suis très. Like, okay, what are you talking about? They should be saying, j'ai très ans, but je suis très. One thing that I like to do, especially with immersion kids or advanced kids, is I would give them sentences to correct. And that could be really boring, right? But I might give three sentences and I would say, okay, each sentence has two or three mistakes. And I put them in groups and have them race to find the mistakes. And then they have to figure out as a group how to fix it and run up to the board, write the answers correctly. Mm -hmm. And you can either give every group the same questions Or you can give each group different questions, and then you're going to cover that many more mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it's just a good way to help them remember because they Mm -hmm. know, you know, Mm -hmm. they know when they're saying it wrong, but they have to be able to self-correct and eventually stop making those mistakes. And have you used technology in any way to help with this sort of spiral review process? I tend to have a lot of trouble staying on track. And so I make one giant slideshow for my whole unit. And in my slideshow, I use PowerPoint. I put my bell ringers, my practice questions, grammar, presentations, lots of pictures for describing stuff, links to videos. And then I will just reference those pages in my lesson plans because Mm -hmm. I'm not really a lesson plan writer unless I have to be. And then um, I'll use those same notes and come back to them over and over again. And it's Mm -hmm. super easy if you move to another unit, like let's say you're going to do a unit on the imparfait, but you want to review the past tense first. Mm -hmm. So you could just take your passé composé slides and pull them right into your imparfait and then Mm -hmm. edit them kind of as needed. So that's Mm -hmm. a time saver for sure. And then having the templates. Having templates is everything. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Beyond that, there are different sites and apps that are really fun, you know, that a lot of us probably use. Quizlet, I love that one. And then um, Bluekit has tons Mm -hmm. of fun games. Mm -hmm. And it's really great for review because it, it doesn't put a focus on just learning and review kids kind of when they forget their learning. Yeah, the whole Gen Z is very much into the gamification of everything. And so as much as we can gamify, that's what you need to do. (laughs) For sure. And then, you know, boom cards are a really amazing way to gamify stuff. I know Mm -hmm. I use them a lot at home with my son. He makes silly mistakes with verbs. And when I look at his writing and homework that he's going to turn in, I'm not going to sit and reteach something or expect his teacher to reteach something 
but I can say, hey, I noticed that you're not doing this very well. Let's grab a set of boom cards and practice IR verb conjugations because you forgot. A few minutes spent in a game makes it come back and it's a lot more fun. Absolutely. So can you think very personally now about your own teaching experience, uh, a little story or anecdote that might highlight the effectiveness of doing this review and why it was beneficial for students? Sure. So when I had an immersion class, as a sixth grade teacher, I had a homeroom class and they would come in and they were in my classroom for 30 minutes, but it wasn't specific class time. It was just an arrival time where the room was open for them to come in. And so some kids would come in five minutes before the actual class started. And some kids would come in 30 minutes before the actual class started. And so I couldn't do like a morning meeting or specific graded work. So what I did was I came up with a a pretty big pack of review activities. And I think I made one for each quarter. It was just all of the things that they had kind of learned over the years that we weren't going to retouch on in my class. I would give them a page range of things they could work on and they could work in groups, work in, you know, work with a partner, work alone, pick what pages they wanted. It really helped a lot just fine tuning the little mistakes that they made in their language when they started going to write more formally and write essays for me. They were able to peer edit a lot more effectively. Mm-hmm. And then that made things a lot easier for me because I would have them peer edit, rewrite their draft and turn it into me. And so I didn't see a hundred sentences each day with, you know, the wrong verb endings or mm-hmm. the wrong um, spelling of the word ah, because mm-hmm. that can have several right. different spellings and meanings. Mm-hmm. And it's a big mistake that happens all the time, but it's easy to correct. So it just, it made their writing so much better, but it made my job so much quicker. There's also that element of choice in there that they came in. And that's another Gen Z thing. If you could do gamification and give them choice, like you're on the right track. (laughs) But I get it. You know, I have, when you go back to school and you do those back to school PD meetings and you have to do something that is so against your particular learning style and you see half the auditorium groan the icebreaker and half the auditorium jump up and be really excited. Having choice matters. Yeah. So do you have some recommendations for teachers that are listening about where you're continuing to draw your inspiration from and your teaching journey and learning? Yes. So mine are a little bit less language geared. I am extremely interested in neurodiversity Mm -hmm. and in helping students who maybe think or learn differently because we all have neurodiverse students in our classroom. So I am a big podcast listener. I love the um, Neurodiversity podcast with Emily Kircher Morris. She's a former gifted education teacher, and she's now a mental health counselor, and she works with students and parents. Also cool, because she's also in Missouri, on the other side of the state. She talks a lot about twice exceptionalism, which is when kids are gifted, but also have learning differences, like maybe dyslexia or ADHD or processing disorders. Mm-hmm. But she has stuff on all sorts of different learning challenges. And it's wow. it's a great podcast. I love it. Um, and his books, uh, one that I particularly love is called Break Kids Who Can't Keep Up. It's by Ellen Bratton and Brian Willoughby. It talks a lot about those students who are extremely smart, but seem to take much longer than we think they should need Mm -hmm. in a classroom. I think we've all had them. Mm -hmm. And we kind of shake our head going, what what is going on? 
And it talks a lot about processing disorders and why kids might take longer than it seems like they would need. And, and what is that? And how do we help? And so I've actually read it twice. I'm going to read it again this year because it just helps reset my own mind for mm -hmm. students and also for my my own sweet student that I have at my own house mm -hmm. who likes to take some time. Yeah, I think rereading books like that, the context of the students that we're working with during any particular year, like reread those books because something is going to resonate with you because you are seeing that face of that kid that they're talking about that you didn't have in your class the last time you read it. For sure. And, you know, I think sometimes as we go on in our years, you know, it's been 20 years almost for me, you're going to encounter something that you've never seen before. And I think sometimes, you know, within our own education that we've done, it doesn't cover everything that we need to know. Mm -hmm. And you just have to continuously look and learn on your own. So mm -hmm. I'd say find, you know, find what's mm -hmm. what you're passionate about. For me, it's how do I help everybody? Yeah, I think when we look at things like neurodiversity and those kids that have their learning processes looks different than other students. I was interviewing Danya Mahoney last year on the podcast, and it was about teaching students with learning disabilities in the language classroom. And all of the feedback I've gotten from listeners from that episode was about those are things that we should be doing for every student, you know, so we, we, we're looking at all of these things as they're for these specialized learners, but they actually come down to just really effective teaching. For sure. I think if you can structure activities in your class, for example, that are going to help students with ADHD, first off, you're going to have students with ADHD. But second, every kid is going to benefit from getting up and moving around a little or from having something in their hands to relieve anxiety. I used to have a, a box of like squishies and stress balls and everything. And I would just leave them out and say, hey, if you ever feel like you're done, you need to get up, please get up. Mm -hmm. If you ever feel like you need to have something in your hands, come grab one. And I would tell you, it was not the students that had the 504s for ADHD mm -hmm. that were always grabbing them. It, I had probably 20 and mm -hmm. at least half of them were being used in most of my class periods all day. Well, thank you so much for all of your thoughts and then helping us to open up this conversation about neurodiversity. How can our listeners be reaching out to you and connecting with you? I am on both Facebook and Instagram at Madam R's French Resources. It's M-M-E, not Madame. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also have website, MadameRsFrenchResources.com. Again, that's MME. So before we say our goodbyes, I'm just hoping that you can leave our listeners and me with a good hearty piece of advice when it comes to reviewing and the importance of it with students. Well, one thing that is extremely effective for me is just to make sure that there's lots of visual supports up to help them so that you're not constantly doing it again. You know, mm -hmm. so you can have verb charts up or I actually print out like verb charts right for the front of student folders. And then, you know, when they when they make mistakes, I don't even correct the mistakes. I just underline it. Please find it yourself. You know why it's wrong. Go fix mm -hmm. it. And then, you know, I'll have bulletin boards up with extra details. I want them to add who or when or why and just 
having the visuals there for them to pull on is a huge time saver. Well, thank you very much for that visual reminder as well. And thank you for everything that you shared with us today. And again, I'm so happy we finally found the opportunity to have this conversation on the podcast. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me. What are your takeaways from that conversation with Ashley Duff? I'm definitely looking to leverage those brain breaks a little more. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Ashley. You'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. And as always, there are links to get in touch with me if you would like to work together. We can do that in person in your school or remotely. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Connect with me on X, aka Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at WL Classroom. And for even more valuable resources, visit my website, wlclassroom.com, where you'll find over 300 blog posts about language teaching. So stay inspired, keep growing, and continue making a difference in your language classroom. 